0: Hi, this is Edie. Welcome back to the Heinemann Podcast. Can you write a 100-word story? Sounds easy, right? That's what the students in Kim Culbertson's high school English class thought at first. A 100-word story, or piece of flash fiction as it's otherwise known, is a small yet densely packed teaching tool, and harder to write than you think. In today's discussion between Kim and her contributing co-author, Grant Faulkner, they delve into the origin of the book, their own writing journeys, and beautiful stories from the classroom, where flash fiction is fostering deep concentration, agency, and feelings of personal success. And by the way, I tried, but that intro was not exactly 100 words.
1: Kim, I'm so looking forward to our conversation today about essentially my favorite form of writing or one of my two favorite forms equivalent with the novel and The 100 Word Story. Uh, I really discovered 100 Word Stories, uh, I think back in 2009 or 2010, and I became just addicted to them. And I'm still addicted to them. And I I started this uh, journal, 100 Word Story, and and it launched in 2011. And one of the most gratifying things about launching that, because I launched it mainly for writers and readers, but then I heard about teachers teaching 100 word stories in 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 ways that I didn't even imagine, and to people I didn't even imagine would be so receptive and eager to write 100 word stories. And then you are you are the I don't know superstar championship of teaching the hundred word story form. So when I met you, and you told me about why it was you know all the reasons why it's so great to teach. And how it, you know, just how it affects young writers and how they engage with it. All that stuff. I won't go on and on. I'll let you talk. But but tell me about that initial discovery of, of the 100 Word Story form and how you used it in your classroom and then, you know, how it led to this wonderful book.
2: Absolutely. Well, Grant, I have you to thank for my addiction to 100 Word <laughs> Stories because apparently this addiction is contagious. It is. I... Met Grant. I met you at a uh, Bay Area Book Festival back when I think I was there with one of my Scholastic novels, and we were both part of the Writers Council for National Writing Project, and we had a dinner, and I was lucky enough to sit by you at that dinner, and we ended up talking about young writers and the work I do with them. I've been teaching high school since 1997, so <laughs> I've been working with teenagers for a long time, and my true love is teaching writing and I think that's unique in that a lot of English teachers teach through the lens of reading and while I'm definitely a reading teacher as well I really come into my English classrooms from a writer's perspective and these stories just lit up my classroom um, when I started using them and it's why I call them small bright things that's how I refer to them to my students Because we, I write about this in the introduction to the book, but we all have that moment as a teacher where we're quite aware no one has done the reading (laughs) in the room. Maybe that one child has done the reading in the room. And I was having one of those days, and I thought, I'll throw up a 100-word story. We'll all read it at the same time. We'll read it again. We'll annotate it. And then we'll talk about the way it's built and how all of its parts add up. And my students just lit up. They were so excited. They felt so successful at the end of that discussion. And then so I just kept doing that. I kept using them as to partner with longer works we were working on. I used them alone as a way of just discussing literary devices. And my students kept coming back to me saying, more 100 word stories, please.
1: (laughs) That's so great to hear. And, And you know, we should define the 100 word story a little bit for listeners. It is exactly 100 words. And and at least for me, um, it you know because my initial forays to try to write hundred word stories, I I couldn't get to hundred words. I'd like write one hundred fifty words because no one had actually really taught me how to write shorter. I'd always been taught how to write longer. So it's a whole different mindset. And I think it's it's I'm I'm more of an editor than a writer when I'm writing one hundred words. But the but the crucial thing I learned from when I tried to take my one hundred fifty word stories down to a hundred words was um it's not that a hundred is a magic number it's the process of getting to a hundred and it makes you pay attention to every word and every nuance of the sentence and it's almost like writing poetry because you're you're looking at the juxtaposition of sentences and um, I remember you, actually you you once told me this that that one of the beauties of the form like, like I get often asked, can you write a, a whole story in a hundred words? Can you write a beginning, middle, and end? Can you have a character that goes through character change? You know, these, these kind of traditions of Western storytelling. And I remember you telling me that you could put like a whole hundred word story on a projector and everyone could look at it together and analyze it together. So I was wondering if you could speak a little bit more about that. You know, like reading and writing as a group activity.
2: Absolutely. It's one of my most favorite qualities in this form is its accessibility and its visibility. So when you put it up on a screen, and they can see the entire piece there, they have everything they need to look at. In that moment, in that one screen, it became especially essential during covid because i was spending all my time on zoom with my students and a 100 word story just beautifully films a shared zoom screen so my students could feel like they could see immediately what i was asking them to reply to i also want to say that it gives them a window into the architecture of a story by seeing it in that tiny form they can look at that closely and see The character, the setting, the structure, the arc, the character change, the landing, that that lovely first line, all the things we ask them to do when we're asking them to analyze a novel, when we ask them to analyze a short story, we can have them do all that same activity, all that same practice with the 100 word story in a way that they feel is accessible.
1: It's it's a it's a fascinating form because it's so accessible and so anyone can really write a hundred word story and it technically doesn't take that long to do. Um, at the same time, to write a really good one hundred word story, I, I was on a panel with uh, the the kind of one of the flash masters, uh, Molly Giles, and she said they take you know five minutes to write and five years to finish (laughs) and so that might be an exaggeration that's funny but i'm curious how how you know how your students i mean because it it is like actually a wonderful way to teach revision right because you can you can revise them so uh, it, so you know, you have it doesn't take like months to revise it like like it does a novel. So you can you can deal with their revisions almost in real time. And yeah. they get
2: time time away from it, right? So you can we keep a portfolio of their stories, and they can go back to what you know. They, maybe it's December; they go back to September, look at their portfolio, look at the story they wrote in September, and then I can ask them, "What do you think now? Like, what do you think about the story now?" And so it really also encourages them to understand that writing as a process, it's time with a piece, it's not just get it done and turn it in, you revisit it, you come back to it, you re-see it. Revision is obviously one of the things I'm most passionate about as a teacher because I'm also a writer, and so I work constantly with my students on understanding that this isn't about product, it's about process, and it's about thinking. Writing is thinking, this is something else I say to them all the time. And a 100-word story lets you put your thinking into practice.
1: That's beautiful. That's
2: been so useful. Well, it bleeds into their other pieces because they suddenly start asking themselves, do I need this? Is this where this should be? Because you teach them about asking those questions of the 100-word story. Mm Mm-hmm. And you show them where to look at that. And then later on, they're writing a two-page paper or a three-page paper, or one of my students stopped by yesterday with a five-page paper she had to write for a college class she was taking. And she said, it was so helpful because all I did is do that thing. You tell me, which is paragraph by paragraph, what do I need in this paragraph, step by step, which is she like was, I fed her on 100-word stories for like a year, this girl, (laughs) and now she's like applying that to longer pieces.
1: I love hearing that when one genre, you know, influences other genres. Um, And the 100-word story is perfect for that in so many different ways. And since you've talked a little bit about how you um, structure your class, I was wondering how you structured this book, you know, what, what, what you wanted to impart and how and why it's useful for teachers, all that kind of stuff.
2: Well, I love origin stories. So I want to talk for a minute about the origin story of this book because I will never forget sitting in my car. My daughter was in a piano lesson. I spent a lot of time doing work in my car when my daughter was in high school because I drove her to water polo or I drove her to, I drove her to piano and I called you and I said, Hey, Grant, is there a book out there that student writers practicing this form that also gives teachers A way to access this form through lessons and the structure of the different literary devices. And that maybe also includes some professional writers who are practicing this form, because I would love the idea of student writers side by side with professional writers in the same book. And you said, Kim, you should write that book. Did I? (laughs) You did. You're the reason this book exists.
1: (laughs) I'll take full credit.
2: And so it really inspired me to sit down and just look at if I was introducing this to a teacher, how would I structure that? What would I want them to know? What would I want them to have on hand? And then with my brilliant editor at Ed Heinem and Zoe. She made suggestions along the way, like, how about we make all of the stories in it downloadable so that teachers can print them out and have kids annotate them? And how about we start with each end of each chapter having both an in a classroom tie in and a writing exercise and discussion questions? So we made we came up with this format of introducing a literary term like point of view. And then giving examples of stories that are dynamic versions of point of view, and then having the students read those, answer some discussion questions, respond to them, write their own focusing on point of view, and then sharing out with their classmates. So it's this idea that each each chapter is a different literary element and provides lessons and downloadable materials and exercises for teachers.
1: That's so great. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm basically going to ask you to to solve a huge question, a huge societal question that is out there today. So, you know, I get asked this all the time because obviously, I mean, per you're doing a lot of work in your car while you're waiting for your daughter to get out of water polo. This is a familiar place for me to do my work as well. And it's like, I think I I think people operate more and more in what I call like time confetti mindset. You know, you're you're grabbing little bits yeah. of time here and there, and you're obviously we're multi. Tasking creatures in this world and we're highly prone to distraction we just have a lot of things competing for our attention and so you know I've heard it say like flash fiction which is defined as stories under a thousand words has been a really emerging popular genre for the last at least 10 years and especially with with younger writers and readers and so I'm just curious like 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 and I'm so I'm going to pose like two things one a lot of people say that the popularity of the form is because of the internet, because of distractions, because of all these things competing for our attention. I'm going to counter that a little bit by saying that flash fiction actually is more like poetry, that you have to read it more than once. You have to really slow down to truly get it. So I was wondering, here, here it is the big societal question. How does this form fit into this modern mindset of distractibility?
2: I love this question. I get asked this question a lot by my colleagues. There's sort of that gripe in the teacher's room. These kids, they're so distracted. (laughs) They're always on their phones. They don't have any attention, you know, that attention to detail. They don't focus. I would argue that they do focus. They're focusing on many different things. So there's this sort of collective cultural demand on them. I think they're incredible. These young people, this society they're inheriting, and having to navigate through all of this. So, when they do focus, I think giving them smaller chunks of deep, meaningful practice allows them to take a minute and step away from that busyness and from that noise and sink into what we love about writing. It's that beautiful experiment, that, that thinking practice, that exploration of the human experience, this is what I tell them. This is why we read. This is why we write. We write because it's a beautiful human practice to explore stories, to explore what makes people make the decisions they make, what kind of settings influence the people who live in them, what kind of worlds you can build in those small settings. So I think that we, I think we do have, the students are struggling with focus. I think it's a cultural issue, but I think they're also showing us that there's other things we should be doing with them, given the culture we live in. I mean, I've been teaching for 25 years. There's always something older teachers like me were griping about, like, oh, the internet, oh, calculators, like whatever it was. (laughs) Um, I've always felt that an inquiry-based classroom, which is what I feel like mine is, should always be interested in these issues and then turn around and ask our students to be interested in these issues. I have had the most incredible conversations with my students about, do you think you're too distracted? Do you think you don't have focus? What do you focus on? What what makes you lose all track of time? Why? Why do you think that is? Why why are you engaging with that in that way? And so I think they I always turn the question back to them. They're the ones inheriting the next 50 years. I get to sort of casually cruise into my later years, but they are inheriting this. So I always think it's important to bring the classroom back to letting them ask questions, you know, share examples, wrestle with ideas. It's, it's the beauty of an English classroom. So we yeah. get all this space and time to do that with them.
1: I love that two-way um, that you're receptive to what their both their lives and their mindsets and you know their interests are like and 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 forming instruction and the nature of a writing assignment or reading assignment uh, around that you know rather than saying you must read this classic novel and <laughs> write a paper a certain way
2: some of them still want to do that but not all sure. of them do
1: i'm going to talk about constraints a little bit now because in some ways you don't get any say in the length of a hundred word story. You have to write it in a fixed compositional lens, one hundred words, and so yeah. So it's interesting because our life is about like seeking freedom and but living within constraints, and then perhaps finding opportunities and constraints for a different kind of freedom. And I think that's what's so interesting about the word constraint is it it's, it holds negative connotations, yet for me it's full of all these possibilities, and that's why I think hundred word stories are so wonderful is that they they the best ones bloom you know they expand the world they don't they don't minimize the world they're not just about the cracks of the world although we need stories about the cracks of the world because a lot of bigger forms don't really allow the cracks of the world stories to be told so i'm just kind of curious how have you seen students what benefits of constraints have you seen in your students when they when they read and write these stories
2: well first and foremost they go into the practice if it's their first time thinking it's going to be easy mm-hmm. because it's short. And so I love that. And I, yeah, try it. See if it's easy. Let's do that. Let's see how it goes. And then I watch them go through like the five stages of writing a 100 word story, you know, which is that where they say like, this is hard. I need more room. How do I do this? And they start asking questions of the story. And this is where I tell them for the next little bit, you're gonna be in conversation with your own work. You're gonna be in conversation with your own sentences. You're gonna ask, where what do I need as far as setting? What do I need as far as character? How can I show that? How can I show conflict? How can I, you know, show a character change in a single sentence, maybe? Where do we put that? How does this how is it looking on the page? we just keep being in conversation with that where teenagers love the loophole they love with 100 word stories is that title, because that doesn't have a word count limit for, you know, we tell them the title doesn't get included right, that's my in rule. the 100 word that's story. That's my rule. So I did have a sassy guy last year who wrote his 100 word story and then his title was like 101 words long.
1: I love that. Can, did you give him an A just for that? <laughs>
2: I, oh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's
2: like, that is... well done, friend. You know, right. <laughs> but when I give them a hundred words, they know what I want. And so it's just giving them that really clear goal. And it's it's something that makes them feel successful. And that's the thing I hear. I was talking uh, with the National Writing Project a couple of weeks ago for the, the Right Now Teacher Studio. I'm going to do a, an event with them. And they were saying that when you talk to teachers all around the country right now, mostly what they're feeling is that the students don't feel very successful Hmm. in their writing. They just seem down. They seem frustrated. They seem, uh, what was the word she used? They just seem like there's like a a feeling of, I won't be able to get this done. Feeling overwhelmed. The 100 word story for me has, I have watched all these humans achieve it. They've done it. They've accomplished it. And it's done so much for their self-esteem as writers because they know they can finish a piece. They can achieve. They can be successful. And just having that boost of self-confidence, I've watched that spill over into their other work because they go, oh, I know how to do this. I know how to finish a piece of writing.
1: That's fascinating for me to hear because when I discovered 100-word stories, I was working on what I call my doomed novel. I've been working off and on on the novel for 10 years, and I took a break from it to try to write 100-word stories. And it was exactly what you just said. Number one, I got the gratification of completing something, which is creative fuel unto itself. And then two, I could share it. I could put it out in the world and get it published, and that's also a different type of creative fuel. And so it fed into to working on this doomed novel. But um, it also—I mean—that's just the beauty of the form is that that it it, it it replenishes you and recharges you because of the brevity. And I think that that is like an important thing to to give uh, to, to writers to have to let them have that feeling of satisfaction. And so my next question is about reluctant writers. Um and you know what I hear is because of the the accessibility of the form, um, reluctant writers, it's an invitation for reluctant writers to try it out. And I'm wondering if you've you've experienced that.
2: Absolutely. I teach a lot of reluctant writers. I think this generation has been through a lot. And I teach a lot of what I'll also say are tentative writers. They just feel like they don't quite know if what they're saying is what they should be saying. Because there's a lot of emphasis nationwide on standards, on testing, on all of these things that the states decide our students should be doing to show learning. And so the students, some of them, come into my classroom truly believing there's something I want to hear from them, that there's like a right answer and they need to tick a box and work through a checklist, and then they'll get to move on to the next step. And what I try to have them unlearn when they're in my room is that writing is personal. It's a personal practice. You are growing your own voice. You are growing your own thinking patterns. You're growing your own practice as a human being of noticing the world and how you relate to the world around you. And there is no testing that can show that. That these stories, are you get to step outside of all of that educational research and database things in order to engage in truly human practice. And they get tired of me saying that to them because I say it a lot, but... One of my students came in yesterday. He's fallen quite behind, and I always do individual sessions with them if they want to have a thinking partner with me come in after school and we'll just brainstorm some ideas. And he definitely brought up the 100-word story as a place where he has felt like he could at least have some freedom to put down ideas that he likes doing, that he cares about. And I asked him, well, why don't you feel like you can do that in your other – assignments. And he said, "I don't know. Why do I think that?" And so we started just talking about like how education trains us to try to please like an outside source and that writing we should really start with our own pleasing our own imagination and our own brain and like the way that we think of things and show things. We can get better at it so that we can eventually let an audience read it, but we could start from a place of our own imagination, our own ideas, our own, our, our, personal voice. And that the unique and lovely part of it is that his is unlike anyone else's in the world. And that's magic. He's the only one who sees the world the way he does. And he was really sweet. He was like, that, that's really cool. That's great. And, you know, and he is going to go rework an essay for me that he's going to try his idea for, but he thought it was weird. And he didn't know if I would like it. He didn't want to get a bad grade. I just told him, let's not worry about the grade. Let's just try it. Let's see what happens. And if I think it needs to be something else, we'll keep working on it. He said, but it's already late. I said, "Ah, don't worry about the deadline. All right. Let's worry about you extending the practice of this piece. You're already interested in writing it. Let's not move on to the next thing when you still have interest in this piece that you're working on. I think a lot of it is, as a teacher, it's building that relationship with them so they feel safe to practice and, and imagine and try things.
1: Well, I think that's a beautiful pedagogy to to write what pleases you. You know, for writing, I think so often. It, it is students are writing an assignment for the teacher in particular and to please the teacher as you say and i've always said with nanorama's young writers program it's much it's very similar in, in the sense that the premise of it is giving kids agency to write and giving them them agency it's 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 forming writing around joy and the the just the pure joy of doing the writing and doing it for yourself and expressing yourself so i i really do think that that is like a fundamental building block of writing but one that we all, too rarely hear and um, I guess in closing I'll say you know like like I think the reason I say that, that the pedagogy of joy is is so important to honor is through like when you're teaching grammar it helps a lot if the kids care about the words if they care about the content and they care about the story so Kim final words how does this book benefit teachers what is the message you want to get across
2: I think one of the wonderful parts as a teacher with this form is that it's short and we all know we are overwhelmed with our grading, with our assessment. We get a lot of bang for our buck with this form as teachers because from an assessment standpoint, as well as from a teaching standpoint, because we can use it as an annotation device, we can use it as a close reading device, we can use it as a generative writing device, we can use it as an editorial device with peer editing and in small group work, we can use it as a revision device, and that it is extremely short to grade. So you can give this incredible informed feedback in a very short amount of time. And so that's the piece for me as a teacher that has been lovely. To see that I can do this much meaningful deep work that doesn't take me an incredible amount of time to assess. It's really, it's a powerful tool in the classroom and you get a lot out of it.
1: Thanks so much, Kim. I'm so inspired by you and the book and I hope everyone goes out and buys it and teaches 100 word stories.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Our thanks to Kim and Grant for their time. You can order their book, 100 Word Stories, at Heinemann.com. Learn more and read a transcript and a sample chapter at blog.heinemann.com.